What's going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. Hey, everybody. And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your longest-running Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys. By the fans, that is us. As always, intro and outro music is presented by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over at OceansOverAirplanes.com. Give us a follow or hit up someone on Twitter. I'm at so says Jay Paul. I'm still at Dervish of Whirl. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, etc., etc., etc. Have we checked for reviews recently? Yeah, yeah, we have. We, we have. have. I have. Have you? Yes. Anything? Yes. Nope. Really? Yeah, new ones? Yeah, there's a couple new ones. Good? One, of, one of them I didn't like as much as another <laughs> one that I did like very much. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. We'll leave it All at right. that. So I'm going to start this pod by saying that I think this is going to be the most important episode of Fanning the Flames <laughs> that has been published to date. You want to know why, Paul? I'm afraid. I feel like you should be afraid. <laughs> Because this is Am the I episode. not going to talk a lot this no, episode? No you, no, you will. You will. You will. You will. I'm going to dub this the Aaron Rodgers episode. Okay. Because everyone out there needs to relax. Relax. Remember when Aaron Rodgers, the I whole like, relax yeah. thing? Let's relax. Last year, offseason was huge. We understood that. This year, the way things went with the previous season, with the regime change, this seemed like an equally... Big year for the Suns offseason wise. We don't have the number one pick. We didn't have the number one pick, sure. But it's still a pivotal offseason with, again, the new regime coming in and with moves that need to be made now that we have this core in place. So the first steps of that obviously happened last week. And of course, Suns Nation, Suns Twitter, Suns everything is just apoplectic, full panic mode already. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, this franchise never changes, blah, blah, blah. Relax. Relax. Okay. Now that I have that said, let's just recap what happened with the draft this past week and where we might be going in the future. Because the moves that happened pre-draft and during the draft, I do not believe, and maybe I'll be wrong. If I'm wrong, then freak out. But I do not believe I will be wrong. This isn't the end-all, be-all. The Suns roster isn't set as we're sitting here on Saturday, June 22nd, which is when we're recording. Which is 14 days before free agency starts? That's, um, yeah, sure, let's go 14 days. Math is not my strong Yeah, I mean, it's not like a team's roster construction is done with the draft. This isn't the NFL where free agency's first. Right, right. So... What happened this week? Thursday, NBA draft. First, we find out the Suns trade TJ Warren and 32nd pick to the Pacers for cash. Yeah. Later in the day, the Suns sent the 6th pick to Mini for the number 11 pick and Dario Saric. Yes. Then, even later in the day, the Suns picked Cam Johnson, number 11 out of North Carolina. Yes. Later in the day, later the Suns day. trade... The, the Bucks pick uh, to the Celtics for the 24th pick and for Aaron Baines, right? Yes. Then this all ends up meaning what's going to happen. Later in the day. Oh, that's right. I forgot. The, uh, even later, even later in the day, the Suns signed undrafted free agent Jalen the Q? 
let's we're gonna go with LeCue until Le we're Q. told differently, yeah. right? Okay. Who is dubbed Baby Westbrook and is a freak athlete. Yeah. So all of that then, they still get to course, watch him led at, maybe we <laughs> we'll assume. get to that. <laughs> all of that led to the aforementioned full blown panic mode of of Suns Nation of Suns Twitterverse of Suns social media. Okay, so it, it was a rocky day. It, it was. It, it was perceived as a rocky day for many people. No, I'll say what that. I mean is a rocky day was from. The 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 TJ Warren trade happens and the reaction to that, and then the Minnesota trade happens and the reaction to that, like TJ Warren trade was crazy. Oh my god, what the hell are they doing? This is stupid. To oh now I this kind of makes sense now. Like you know, there's a plan here. Right. To Cam Johnson is selected, and then they're like, huh. Well, well, at least was my reaction. Well, let's 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 but let's let's tap I'll the brakes. Back it up, back Paul. It up. Tap. I'm the just brakes. saying it was a lot of this. Tap the brakes, and Paul's doing like up and down hand movements right there, just in case you know people who aren't sitting in this room with us want to know what 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 this quote unquote yeah. is. So let's tap the brakes though, and let's walk through walk what through. happened because I want to hear your reaction. You want to hear my reaction? Okay, I'm going to give my reaction. Well, yeah, that's which, what we're here for. Which, which we are mean, having. We are recording a podcast. Our purpose is to. Give reactions. Right. And our purpose is also to not speak over one another. So, please. <laughs> we failed that miserably. I just started this rule we today. miserably. Three years into our podcast, I've started a new rule. Paul, don't talk over me. Justin, don't talk over me. No, I will not listen to that. Okay. <laughs> this is not a democracy. It's a cheerocracy. Oh, there's, there's, there's the, that was, that was the first tangent right there. And that took Actually, like a yeah. while. Wow, no, I did. We're, yeah. We're, we're, we're getting, we're getting professional. Well, we are paid. <laughs> okay. Ish. So, Paul. Yeah. First shoe that dropped, I guess we'd be like well, a like a like a spider. The Suns would be a spider on yeah, Thursday the, because there were so many that shoes dropped. that dropped. Yes. Yeah. So the first of the eight shoes that dropped that day was the Suns trading TJ Warren and the 32nd pick to the Pacers for cash. Now I'll let you roll with this how you want to roll with this. You can tell me how your reaction was immediately when you found out about it how your reaction kind of might have evolved throughout the day whatever just talk about it paul let me know what you were thinking um my reaction was well actually first off my reaction to just the overall activity leading up to the draft i was watching a lot of activity happen i was i was really like kind of there's a lot more i feel like there's a lot more activity leading up to this draft than i'm used to in prayer Prior drafts, usually I see the activity happen during the draft, not days before or hours before. So mm-hmm. I was really surprised when I start hearing like all these different trades. And I'm like, I was getting a little concerned that the Suns were gonna just because of what I'm used to. I'm used to them not taking advantage of situations. You know, when we saw the Mike Conley trade happen, I'm like, you know, that was an opportunity. That's not an opportunity anymore. Um, and things like that. So I'm like, are the Suns going to miss the boat again? Are they going to the the things that would actually help the team, the players that are out there that could actually help the team? Are those deals going to pass the Suns by? So I was very concerned concerned about that for a while, just because I'm like, you guys need to make moves. Why are you not making moves when things are happening? I mean, I know you got to make the right move, but I was afraid that they might get a little bit of paralysis by analysis or whatever. 
Um, so when the TJ Warren trade happened, I was like, personally, I was like, great. That's exactly the kind of move we need. You know, if we're if we're constantly talking about needing to get space, like you know, Suns Twitter was all over the idea of like getting D'Angelo Russell. And I'm like, okay, so we need space. The only way to get space is to get guys off the books without bringing money back. It's the only way to do it. Hey, that's it's your, math. You're speaking logically. I'm an Paul. accountant that's math. And a lot of times when you have to get money off the books, particularly if it's multiple years of a contract, even if it's for a pretty decent player, and a, I would say he's above average, mm-hmm. you kind of got to pay for it. Right. And the pay was the 32nd pick. And I'm like, it's the 30 fucking second pick. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yes, you can find a diamond in the rough in the, in the second round. It happens. Have the Suns done it recently? No. Is it a different regime? And I don't really know what what their scouting is. But be so, I have no nothing really to base it on except for the fact that it doesn't look like they do any scouting. I, you know, I'm like, I really don't care about the thirty second pick. I had, I'm like, fine. That's the price you got to pay. Right. Great. It's it's low stakes. It's not like we had to give up the sixth pick to get right. rid of him. Right. And the first thing I, I heard, literally, within minutes of the of the of the trade, I received multiple text messages from people who I will not name, but I received name multiple them. text messages from people saying, "Oh, look, it's just like Kurt Thomas all over again." I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" whoa, whoa. That com- was a big. This is a completely different situation, and I completely agree with you. We're going to have to give up some assets to get that TJ Warren contract off the books. The other thing that people complained about was, why didn't they get more value back for TJ Warren? Right. A, the point you just brought up. B, suddenly after he gets traded, nobody talks about the fact that TJ Warren barely freaking plays. Like, is he a, everyone's, the oh, he improved, out there. he improved his three-point shooting. He's averaging close to 20 points a game. Okay, yeah, that's true, and kudos to him for that, but he plays like 50 games a year, and that's going to inhibit the 50, ability. Maybe, maybe? I think it's closer to 40. In a good year, he plays 50 games a year. Maybe, yeah. maybe 55, but that's in a yeah. good year. He's missing time constantly, and that's going With to inhibit. Weird and that's going to inhibit the ability to trade a player like that. And mm-hmm. again, if the idea is to get somebody off the books and try to free up some cap space, free up the logjam at wing, if you will, then that was the guy that had the most value, especially in light of Josh Jackson's recent issues. Exactly. And at the end of the day, it was a trade that we're not going to speak to. At the we won't. At the time, made For sense, legal purposes. And, and I still think at this point in time, still still made sense. So. That's that on TJ Warren. Mr. Warren, Tony Buckets, good luck to you. Enjoy Indianapolis. Thank you for your tenure as a son. I'm sure you'll enjoy Indianapolis. I don't know why, but... There's trees there? There are trees there. Hopefully hopefully the injury bug, you know, I'm sure now he'll he'll be healthy all the time. Yeah, he'll be great. Become an all-star or something like that. But hey, what? He'll become become an all-defensive team. Right. So he'll start to pass. So yeah, he'll have well, more than get, point let's not, let's not get carried away. Yeah. Let's not get crazy. Yeah. Let's not get crazy here, Paul. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> shoe number one, TJ Warren. Shoe number two. Six pick going to Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Going to Minnesota. Well, I guess it is going to Minneapolis. Yeah. Going to Minnesota for the number eleven pick and Dario Sarge. Loved it. Mm. Great, great move. Okay, go on. 
I'm going to let you roll with that because usually I'm the optimistic one. I'm well, a positive one. I like hearing that type of positivity out of your mouth. So continue. And don't backtrack. Don't be like, well, I'm not that positive. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. I'm saying, <laughs> I mean, in the vacuum of the trade in and of itself, mm-hmm. prior to knowing who was selected with the 11th pick, and we'll get to that later, um, the idea that this draft after the top handful of guys really fell off, falls off and like it's really just this giant melting pot of pick a player you're probably going to be okay or they're all probably going to suck or who knows bigger, it's all it's I, all I, I question like marks a bigger crapshoot than a, any other draft normally would be yeah very much a crapshoot so dropping from 6 to 11 it's like the change in value is minuscule the, honestly, the benefit of the change value is the value of the, the of the salary attached to the pick. Mm-hmm. So being able to drop from 6 to 11 while also picking up Saric, who has proven to be a competent player at the, at the power forward position. I think he's more of a small forward power forward, but he plays pretty much a stretch four, which is exactly what we need in our offense. Like that's what they tried to make Bender be. But um, he just couldn't do it. Sarge is doing that. And so he'll be a really good compliment to to Aiton. I don't know why I blanked on Aiton's name. That, 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 <laughs> that, that, that guy, that guy. That guy, the big tall guy that, that we uh, drafted last year. Um, so he, he'll be a really good compliment to that. He'll stretch the floor for Booker as well, take a little bit of pressure off there. Plus, like I said, the... Value between the 6th and the 11th pick was relatively negligible. So from that standpoint, I thought it was a great move. And so did most of Suns Twitter. And like I said, it was a very up and down day. It was a lot of down with the TJ Warren trade, which I was comp- – because it, it was in the middle of the day and I was really busy at work. I didn't have time to get into it, people, but I would periodically check and look at them like, what the hell are you all talking about? It's, you know, it's it's – Clearly that overvaluing your own player mm-hmm. once they're gone and thinking you didn't get enough back for him when two weeks ago you're like, oh, we just got to – whatever we got to do to get rid of this guy. We just got to get him off the books because we want to get D'Angelo Russell or whatever. But, but So then we had a nice high coming right after that where it was like, oh, hey, there's a plan here. You know, We're making moves in an order to do a certain thing to get – the team to be where James Jones and um, what is it? Tre- What's Bauer's first name? Jack. Jack Bauer. Trevor Bauer. Jeff. Jeff Bauer. Sure. <laughs> You're thinking of Trevor Buckstein. Trevor Buckstein, the other guy. Jeff Bauer. <laughs> Jeff Bauer. <laughs> James Jones. James Jones. So that team actually had a plan and they were executed. Monty Williams is the head coach. Yes, I got that one. Robert Sarver still owns the team. In case anybody's wondering. <laughs> Not going anywhere, Mr. Sarver. So, so it was a nice high there for a period of time. Yeah, and and I, again, I'll agree with you. What what was the what was the second biggest hole on this team? Power forward after point guard. Power forward exactly. What do we get in this trade? We got a starting power forward. Right. We got a starting power forward who's a career thirty six percent three point shooter. Right. Who's going to have the ability to, like you said, stretch the floor, spread the floor which is what this team needs. This team was the worst shooting team in the NBA last right. year. And we get a competent shooter at the four who can start and put in quality minutes 
we get who we're going to get to, the best shooter in the draft, and people are pissed about that when this team needed that improvement. That was a obviously a focal point, and this in, in, in today's NBA is something you 100% need, especially if <laughs> two of the guys that you're building this franchise around in Booker and Ayton play the games that those two guys play. Right, and on top of that, um, Sarge played um, – Monty Williams was an assistant coach when Sarge was back on, on Philly. So they're familiar. He know, he understands what Williams would want to run in the offense, can help um, get guys up to speed there a little bit because he kind of understands the terminology, understands the language, all that kind of stuff. So I think from that standpoint, it's a really good move. And he's only making three and a half million bucks yeah. a year. Now he's in his final year of a contract. So right. that's going to create some, some – Potential you know, issues next year. Right, but – at the same time, again, this has now been an upgrade at Power Forward. So right. there, there is an upgrade there. Like you said, you didn't give up much to get it. You dropped five spots down, saved some money in right. that draft in in the in the scale for draft picks, uh, salary wise, and overall address one of the holes that this team has. I mean, what's T.J. Warren was starting at Power Forward at points last year. Mo, Kelly Oubre Mo. until was, he was hurt, he basically yeah, was. and 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 ultimately those guys aren't aren't power forwards. Yeah, uh, and the alternative, even though he's not technically on the team right now, but Dragan Bender, I'm sorry, but yeah. Dario Saric he could seems be a nice to, third. Dario Saric seems to kind of be like what the Suns had hoped Dragan Bender could be. Right. Except I think at the fourth slot, you would expect him to be a better version of that. Yeah. But he provides. A consistent version of what we've seen flashes of Bender, um, you know, in terms of his ability to. Right. He's not the strongest the defender, floor. which fair, fair, which is something that just we deal with as a whole for the Suns. Mm-hmm. So um, th- that's actually one of the arguments for that I like about <laughs> the idea of bringing in Russell is like, well, we clearly don't have a lot of strong defenders, so we're gonna have to do the old Mike D'Antoni defense of we're just gonna score a shit ton more points than right. you. <laughs> If you're scoring 200 a game, don't matter. Don't matter. <laughs> okay. So, and after we go through all this, we'll kind of give a overall impression. Because I know we're doing each one of these in a vacuum. Right. Um, and the next one in the vacuum is probably one that we maybe won't be as agreeable with one another on. Assuming you're done with yep. this topic. Okay. Yeah. So then... The aforementioned 11th pick that the Suns got, they end up selecting Cam Johnson out of North Carolina. This year went off the rails. Globally, globally ridiculed as a draft pick at number 11, which I have my thoughts on, which I will share, of course. I'll let you go first because I went first last time. Okay. Well, so. Chivalry at its finest. (laughs) Let's look at it like this. Suns pick Cam Johnson. Everybody goes, who? Who's this guy? Never even heard of him. Okay, fine. We'll do a little research before we start freaking out about the guy. He's the best shooter widely regarded, if not universally regarded, as the best shooter in the draft. Kid shot 46% from three-point range last year. Has range, too. It's not Mm. like he's sitting there and he's just towing the line and knocking these things down. He, He, in watching highlights, there are at least a... Few number of few number of different occasions, a number of different occasions where I saw him stepping back to what I would you know qualify as like Curry range and just right. draining him in college. And it's in college, I get it. But best shooter in the draft again. We talked about how the team, 
the Suns as a whole last year were the worst shooting team in the NBA and how much they need players that are going to be able to consistently knock down the three, spread the floor out for guys like Ayton and like Booker, and this is a dude that fits that role. His uh, true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage his last year there at UNC were 65%, 62% respectively. And he's an experienced player, which I think is important. because yeah, He's a senior, right? He's a senior. and he's Second he's, year in a row we've got a senior. He's, I believe, six months older than Devin Booker. Yeah. And yeah. You, you look at it's, it from that perspective, too. The, the Suns are in a position where they don't need additional projects. And I think yeah. that's something that went heavily into considering and taking Cam Johnson outside of his obvious ability to shoot the ball. He's and a kid that's going to be able to come in right away and start playing. Now, his size, he played, he, played the, he played the four in college. His size raises questions as to whether he can do that in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you were starting TJ Warren at the four, starting Cam Johnson at the four, starting putting Cam Johnson at the four for certain stretches of the game doesn't seem like it's a completely unreasonable right. approach. Um, I think also, and we talked about this before we started recording, a lot of people look at him as being a one-dimensional type player. Well, it's hard to say that about players, I feel, especially when they're playing on elite teams like UNC at the college level. Right. Because a player who might have additional attributes perhaps doesn't need to flaunt or show off those attributes because of the strengths of the other players on their team. That's the way a lot of college teams are, are, are structured. I mean, and I'm not saying he's going to turn into him, but Devin Booker came in to that draft in 15, 15, right? Yeah. Yeah. As the best shooter, or at least one of the best shooters in the draft, but there were, there were unknowns about what else his abilities would, would, um, you know, prove to be once his game opened up a little bit more and he was in uh, at the NBA level. And obviously we've seen him develop into not just a shooter, but a scorer. He can, he can develop, he can score, he can improve his, his, his teammates around him. So I think that, again, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what Cam Johnson truly brings to the table. But the other thing that everybody kind of throws out there is that it's a reach to take him at 11. I, your laundry is done, Paul. Dishes. Dishes are done. The dishes are done, man. Dishes are done, man. <laughs> what, movie, what movie is that from? Shit. Oh, come on, Paul. Uh, is, that, is that Dazed? Nope. No. Is that uh, Can't Hardly Wait? Nope. Starring Christina Applegate. Oh, I just watched that. Don't tell Mom Bates dead. Yep. I just watched it the other night. It was on HBO. I, I know. It's <laughs> on my playlist. I, I, I might watch that tonight after we're done here. Anyway. So, great movie if you haven't seen it. And maybe, you know, you younger folks out there haven't. You because, probably haven't. Yeah. It's, it's you don't a understand. You don't understand Christina Applegate in her... She was the goddess. In her prime. Goddess. Anyway, so what were we talking about? <laughs> Christina Applegate. Yeah, no, yeah. Cam, Cam Johnson. Johnson. So the, the, the whole thing about reaching for him, and you alluded to this earlier. We talked about this before. I've said this uh, before, and I, I think I even said this on Twitter recently, and that is I really felt after the top three picks of this draft, maybe even after the top two picks, there weren't really any reaches. I mean, let's look at it in comparison to one person that everyone, a lot of Suns fans, including us, were starting to get high on as the draft approach, and that's Brandon Clark. And that, and that was the thing. And I was, when it was, 
when I was going to get my shot, that was one of the things I was going to speak to was... So you're just going to interject now? I am just going to interject now, yeah, so I can get my point across. Um, Because that's what we do. Go on. Um, So when that trade happened, that was like, oh my God, we're going to get Brandon Clark. That was basically the... That was basically the consensus. There was... I don't think I saw another name come out from anybody saying, oh no, we should get this guy instead. It was... Brandon Clark, Brandon Clark, Brandon Clark. Because that would be a, a range, quote-unquote range, that people would have expected him right. to go in. Right, and, and he also... quote-unquote reasonable. He also fits in, still fits into a hole that the Suns have. I mean, yeah, we brought in Dario Saric, but we still need, at the very least, a backup power forward, mm-hmm. and we need shot blocking. And Brandon Clark is the best shot blocker coming out of the draft this year. Mm-hmm. So we address shooting with bringing in Saric, so... Why don't we address one of our other needs, which is shot blocking? So that that seemed like a really good one-two punch there to fill that slot in the roster with two players whose skills fill holes that we have. So then when the pick comes in, and it comes in at basically drafting a, what was termed a small forward and who's I, a shooter. And I'm not going to say that he's not a... If if I'm going if I were to have to say this is what role Cam Johnson's gonna play, I would say yeah. Primarily a, a three. Right. Which doesn't which basically negates getting rid of Warren earlier from the stand, from the standpoint of the uh logjam at that three position. But I mean <laughs> but I think, the more, I, think is, Cam, I think Cam Johnson's more capable of putting in minutes at the four than just trying to get worn in there at the right. floor, just based on size and yeah. the the fact that he played it in college. And to, to your point degree. at the beginning, I was one of those people who, because I don't watch a lot of college basketball, I just don't have the bandwidth for it. I had no idea who Cam Johnson was when I saw the name. I thought it was a, when the when I think Gambo was the first one to tweet it out. Mm-hmm. Is it Gambo or Shams? And I saw him like, did they mistype Reddish? Because I didn't know who it was. And so then I went and I grabbed, I think, I'm pretty sure it was the Ringers, uh, like, most recent mock draft or whatever, and just started scrolling to see who this guy was, trying to find him. Because it was not a name that I was familiar with in, because once we got the sixth pick, I started kind of paying attention to a lot of the names that were coming in between basically four to 12. Because I'm figuring, okay, somewhere in there is the guy who's going to move around and be the guy we're going to get. And so I started scrolling down. I'm keep going. I'm like, where's this name? Did I miss it? So then I scrolled back up. I'm like, oh, no, I didn't miss it. So I went so far back down. I It was in like, it was like, they had like 32 or 33. I'm like, huh. So that was just my reaction. And that was immediacy because I hadn't knew nothing about him. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot of confusion is really kind of where I sat with it. Coming in after the fact, having a little more time to digest, I've seen that he was a guy who was all over the board from a standpoint of those who evaluate the draft and where guys are supposed to go. There was 11 was arguably a slight reach in pretty much anything I saw. The highest up I saw him anywhere was about like 15. Mm -hmm. But so 11 was a little bit of a reach there from that standpoint. But um, with that, so like if you average it out, I mean, he probably averaged out to like, you know, low twenties on mo. If you took all the draft boards together, so from if you take it from an average standpoint, it's arguably a reach. But um, 
he is are he is by statistics the best shooter in the draft. So. I think it's more than just by statistics. I think right. for all the counts in general. Yeah, and and you know my my point was going to be that. When you look at the name Brandon Clark, who ended up going, I believe, 21st in the draft. Right. Why are people complaining about Cam Johnson being a reach at 11 when Brandon Clark went 21, when Brandon Clark have also been a reach, especially since I saw at least one report today saying that Brandon, or excuse me, Cam Johnson wasn't going to drop past the Pistons at 15. Okay. Right. So, I mean, that's all the stuff that's like you don't know in the moment when you're um, doing when you're just kind of watching the draft. You know, we're not privy to that stuff, clearly. But, I mean, Brandon Johnson was Brand- kind of the reverse Br- of... Brandon uh, Johnson? Brandon Clark. The old University of San Diego point guard? Yes, who is Pretty in Pretty sure prison? he's still in prison, so I don't <laughs> think he got... Dra- no, I think he's out. He he's, is out. he's out? Point shaving. Don't do it, kids. Don't do it. USD basketball players in prison? <laughs> we- <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Go on. <laughs> all right. But so from the – Brandon Johnson was also kind of all over the board too, but he was – Brandon Clark. Jesus. <laughs> Brandon Clark was all over the board too, but he wasn't going as late. Whereas like Cam Johnson's ceiling was very close to where he was actually picked from in aggregate of drafts. Brandon Johnson, the 11 Bra- – Jesus Christ. Brandon Clark, his <laughs> – <laughs> You could just edit those all in. <laughs> Brandon Clark's average kind of was right about where the Suns were picking. You could I've seen I saw things as early as six or seven, and I saw saw picks as late as eighteen or nineteen. He actually went later than most anything I'd seen. I hadn't seen him get out of the and I out think, of the team. And I so. think that goes to show that this truly was a draft where after the top three or so. It really was a crapshoot. Even the quote-unquote pundits, right. the experts, didn't know exactly what was going to go on. And everything kind of went all right. over the place when the actual draft came out. I mean, Bull Bull was talked about being a potential lottery pick. He went mid-second round. Right. I felt bad for him because he was invited to the green room. Whoops. Yeah, that's... Whoops. But because usually the NBA's pretty plugged <laughs> yeah, in there. Yeah. So I don't know whatever happened with all the movement and whatnot. Whoever was interested in him to warrant him possibly being in the green room uh, must have traded out of their pick or whatever. And who got it wasn't interested. Right, right. So that that was really interesting. I felt bad for him. But, I mean, hopefully it puts a chip on his shoulder and he... Uh, uh, uses that to his advantage. Well, and to that, to that, that's an excellent point you bring up. And we're going to have to wrap this because we have to take a break here. We have to take okay. a break yet. Oh, but whoops! <laughs> take a break I, I, in one of my Brandon. Johnson. I almost said Brandon Johnson right there. <laughs> but Cam Johnson, I think, is going to also be somebody who should be playing with a chip on his shoulder because of all that chatter about it being a, a, a reach to take him at eleven. Right. He's like the opposite of Bull Bull. Both should have a chip on the shoulder for different reasons, and Cam Johnson was not invited to the green room and got picked in the lottery. So anyway, we're going to have to wait and see how the Cam Johnson pick turns out. You know what? It might crash and burn, but I think the Suns at least showed that there's some direction. They picked a veteran player for a reason because we don't need another experiment. We don't need another kid that's going to need time to develop. We want someone (laughs) that's going to come in and be able to hopefully play right away, which is exactly what we'll get into as we talk about the next pick that the Suns took in Ty Jerome. And if you have one more thing before we take a break, go ahead. Nope, Otherwise, we'll I can, take a break. I can pick it up later. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. So after the Suns 
selected Cam Johnson. They subsequently traded back into the first round by trading the future Milwaukee Bucks pick that they still hold to Boston for the 24th pick and for Aaron Baines. They yeah. used that 24th pick then to select Ty Jerome out of Virginia. Virginia, thank you. I just had a brain fart out of Virginia. Uh, and you know, let's 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 jump into that. National Paul, champion. Why don't we start? Go ahead. Give your thoughts on that entire situation. Baines, Jerome, the Bucks pick, everything. How'd you react to that initially when it happened? Um, I I was fine with the move. I I think the the Bucks pick was an asset the Suns had an opportunity to use. I mean, with the way the Bucks have been playing, that pick isn't going to have a lot of value, arguably in the when it conveys, I'm assuming probably next year. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm not too worried about that, that being the price, um, getting a guy like Ty Jerome and watch, I'm going to screw his name up now too. Um, you got it, Paul. I believe in you. (laughs) Um, you know, he's, he's a solid NBA or he's a solid player. He's doesn't, he's not super high on the, athleticism side but i mean from the standpoint as a he's probably the best true point guard in the draft there weren't really a lot of those i mean particularly from a floor general um assist to turnover ratio type of thing um i think um i want to say it was david nash four point play Mm -hmm. out there on uh twitter uh really good follow he um if you don't follow him you should definitely check him out um, yeah, and he and Max do the seven seconds or less. They pod, do seven right? seconds that's or less. Pod, that's, yeah. Both hey, if those you're guys looking, are if you're looking for in-depth analysis, those those are two guys you got to pay attention. to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, one, both of them were talking about it. But um, Ty's assist to turnover ratio has gotten better mm-hmm. as he's played, which is a great sign. I mean, he was. I think he averaged something like six point four assists to one point nine turnovers. I think it was five and a half to one point nine, somewhere in there. But actually, I think it was like five and a half to two point one, and then it went. The assists increased to six point four, so he went up almost an entire like a full assist a game. His, but the, his last year at Virginia, he was five and a half assists per game. So maybe looking at per thirty six would change it up a bit. But five and a half to one point six was his last year. Yeah, I think it was per, th- per forty. It was six point four to one point eight. So yeah, uh, or excuse so, me, six point four to one point nine. So yeah, that's, that's what I. That's what it was. They're talking per forty. So I mean, that's a that's really good to see that he's getting stronger at that um, running the floor type of role, which is what the Suns really need. I mean, from the standpoint of bringing in another rookie point guard when we already have two guys on the roster who we're hoping are going to, you know, make decent leaps this year. That kind of feels to me like it spells at least the, uh, um, the end for at least one of those mm-hmm. guys. Cause we're not going to keep three essentially, you know, rookie or second year point guards on the roster when, if they don't get a veteran point guard, they failed this off season. Right. I'm just, I'm going to say that right now. I mean, it doesn't need to be, the best veteran point guard in the world, but if they don't have a guy who can slow this offense down when and control it when it needs to focus, which is one of the biggest issues that the Suns have had. Because I was looking back at like the wins and the losses records last year is having is an argument I was having with uh, somebody on Twitter 
just from the standpoint of there were enough games where the Suns lost. Like I was just looking at losses within five points. That means that's a winnable game. Sure. If you play in control of yourself at the end of the game, and the Suns are not have not been good at that. Do you, Do you know offhand how many or roughly how many there were? Because that's that's actually a very interesting point. I have no idea. I can't. Rem- I, I just did, remember I did, all the blowouts. I yeah, there was a lot of blowouts, but I don't. I didn't count it up. But I was going through. I'm like, yeah, that could. There were there were definitely at least ten to fifteen that were within that range, if not more. I so there was a, enough of those that you have a quality just average point guard there who has experience and kind of understands kind of how that situation runs that the Suns could have pulled out a few more wins than they had this past year, which would have gotten them, you know, I could have seen, you know, they could have gotten close to the thirties, if not into the thirties, which is kind of what everybody was kind of hoping for last year. So, um, having a, a point guard who could potentially do that in another year or two at an NBA level is great. Um, It'll be interesting to see how he does uh, in summer league. Just kind of see if he can really play once the competition gets heightened a little bit, and in the chaos that is summer league. Because, mm-hmm. um, but he's a really he's a he he's also played in a national championship, so he kind of understands how to play in kind of those pressure situations. So that's good to have. You know, we've drafted two years in a row. We've drafted like you know older players who won national championships. Right. It's not the worst move in the world. And then Aaron Baines, I mean, Aaron Baines is just, you know, he, it seems like he belongs in, like, Mad Max Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. So I'll take that guy on my team any day. He, he's like the, uh, if you can't get Steven Adams, Aaron Baines seems like a good guy to, to, to bring in and toughen up the team a yeah. little bit. And I think, frankly. The poor man Steven Adams is a great way to put it, right. describe Aaron Baines. And I just went through as you were talking and added up. I, I I came up with 11 five point or less losses that the Suns had this year, this past season. <laughs> so I think that's a very good point. And and yeah, adding Baines, I think is useful because a team does need a bit of a, an edge added to it. I mean, look what Kelly Oubre did when he came in. I'm right. not saying Kelly Oubre is a <coughs> quote unquote tough guy, but he added an he extra his, level of enthusiasm, swag. swag uh, um, confidence, uh, confidence, sw- oh, swagger <laughs> um, to to the team, <clears throat> and I think Aaron Baines could potentially be a similar type of addition, where it's going to just instill in it another level of confidence in in this team. And and you know, frankly, having DeAndre Ayton go up against him in practice, yeah, isn't going to exactly hurt from the perspective of. The, the thought process that everyone's saying, you know, eight needs to be more aggressive, needs to show more tenacity while well, getting bounced around and, and, and beat up and, and pounded on by Aaron Baines on right. a regular basis probably is, is a step in the right direction in that regard. Yeah, at the, at the very least, it'll allow him to get better about being forceful, more forceful. <laughs> Um, going to the rim and whatnot on offense. Mm-hmm. I and may, hopefully he picks up some tips from a defensive standpoint. Right. And, you know, is going back to Ty Jerome, too, like you said, he's a winner. He's experienced. Also a shooter. Also a very good also shooter. Also a good shooter, yeah. Shot 40% from three-point range last season. Again, a thing that this team needs is, is shooting. So we're looking at now from Thursday, the Suns picked up three guys who should be able to improve their three-point shooting as a whole – Something that, as we all know, is incredibly important in the NBA these days. Right. The ball handling ability, 
the ability to create for his his teammates, as you mentioned, also very important. And again, a kid that's going to come in while young isn't a 19-year-old kid that's going to take some time to develop. Right. This is a guy that can come in and presume, presumably fill some level of a role right off the bat. And at 24, having to give up that Bucks pick, which again, like you said, isn't going to exactly carry a lot of weight or carry a lot of value, uh, assuming the Bucks continue to play as they do and there's no significant injuries to that team. Right. Seems like a very good investment at that at that at that range, uh, especially when you then take into account that you get who is presumably going to be the backup center on this team in Aaron Baines, and uh, again overall, I don't see that any negative really coming out of out of that kind of transaction, the totality of that transaction from the trade itself to who they used that pick on. Right. And- in, in in a vacuum, I don't see any negatives about it. My only real concern is Akobo and Melton. I mean, we have these two ki- two guys who both have talent there that, if molded in the right way, could really become really great players. I mean, we talk about like like Melton's a good example. Like we talk about like Patrick Beverly is a great idea of what would be a perfect partner for Booker and Melton is like a Patrick Beverly in training. He is a very good defender already as a rookie and an excellent defender for a rookie. So just to see that move forward and if he like continues to develop his three point shot, that would be he could be really great at filling that role. Or a Kobo who actually has a more well-rounded offensive game if he just kind of grows into it a little bit more you know my my fear my fear is we drafted a guy who on balance is you know a probably a below average athlete a smart basketball player but we may be giving up on a guy who could turn into something I don't see Ty Jerome becoming he's gonna I don't see him being much more than a backup long term. Either one of those guys that we still have on our roster could be that, oh, that second round pick that, you know, actually blossomed into something. Those guys could blossom into something. And that's my fear is we're going to give up on one or both of those guys. And then they're the ones who are going to turn out to be the diamond in the rough in the back half of the first round, early second round. Yeah, and I think it's <coughs> safe to say that one of those two guys is going to be gone. Like, like you mm. said, they're not going to keep three young point guards like that on the team. I wouldn't be surprised if if there ends up being a move with Jackson involved. One of those guys right. goes with it, right? Yep. It's which, which I mean, long term, I kind of i I figured at one point, at the very least, one of them was going to be gone, just because it just didn't make sense to keep mm. both of them. It was just kind of. Trying to figure out which is the one we want, and yeah. <laughs> so it just—I just don't think we've seen enough to make any type of determination on that. Yeah, and and you know, with with Jerome too, the athleticism is like the knock on him. But at the same time, if you're talking about a player who is a like you dubbed him a true point guard, uh, athleticism isn't exactly something that he. I mean, Steve Nash. Not comparing the two guys, I I'm know. just saying. To fill that role, you don't have to be some explosive, excellent athlete. You have to have high basketball IQ. You have to have handles. You have to have vision. You have to have the ability right. to shoot, which, f- from all accounts, 
Ty Jerome has those things. He also has good size. He's 6'5", mm-hmm. and averaged a steal and a half a game last year. So he's got some ability defensively as well. It would certainly seem, at least at the college level, to some degree you would expect that that's going to translate uh, to the NBA level because while the athleticism might not be there, it's not like he's was a better athlete in college than he's going I mean, to be in he's the He's a way NBA. better athlete than I am. Well, like when you, talk, when you talk about not athletic, when you're talking about pro athletes – Not athletic is relative. Very much so. Very much so. And, excuse me, again, the basketball IQ, the experience, the pedigree, um, all is very important. And remember, too, I mean, he was a starter not only on this year's national championship team with with Virginia, but he also started, I believe, every game the year before. Yeah, he started every game— for Virginia in 2017-2018, when they were also a very high-level team, although they got bounced very, very, very un- ungraciously yeah. in the first round of the tournament. But yeah, and then there, there was fears that was going to happen again this year. <laughs> it looked like it. that was that was going to be very bizarre, but clearly they flipped the script and didn't get bounced and didn't get bounced at all. At no, any point. they bounced they, everybody. They still have not been bounced. <laughs> um, so okay. Oh, actually, last Let's thing. Go on. Um, the one thing I forgot, uh, just to jump back a little bit on uh, Cam Johnson, did oh. you by chance see the video of Kobe White when he was yeah. when he heard that Johnson got drafted? Because he was in the middle of doing his post draft pick interviews. Was Kobe White high, by the way? Because in that video, he wow, and I sound like him now because I just went wow, yeah, wow, wow. Like, like that was, wow. that, was yeah, that was that was bizarre to me. Like I appreciate the camaraderie, but it was bizarre to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, he had a lot going on, and like it was just pure shock. Yeah. But. Yep. Yep. And, I mean, he had some really good things to say about Cam. So, sure. Well, he talked about how he's, like, the hardest worker. Yeah. And, and Roy Williams had a lot of really good things to say about Cam as yeah. well, which I guess one wouldn't be surprised by a college coach having great things to say about right. one the, of his The players. guy who played with him for four years. Right, exactly. Well, and was probably one of the leaders of the team. He didn't play four years there because he transferred from Pitt. Oh, okay. But still, I get, still. I get the point you're, yeah. you're, you're making. He played two years for him, though, so. Um, all right. Well, you know, before we get into and we'll, we'll get into the last move that happened that Thursday, and that is Jalen Lequeux. Lequeux. I like how like I, I say it like he's some French player. Obviously, but it's, it's not. But he's from New York. I mean, but we'll get into that. But let's take one more quick break before we do that. All right. The last move the Suns made on draft night was to sign undrafted free agent Jalen Lequeux. Signed to a four-year deal. He's been dubbed the Baby Westbrook because he is a freakish athlete, at least based on videos I've seen. Well, I mean, we did have the Baby LeBron. No, he did? That was Eric Bledsoe. Oh, I forgot about that guy. He <laughs> blocked me on Twitter. I blocked him from my mind. That's it. So, we like, so <laughs> as we like to get the worst brother, we also but, like to get the baby version of stars. <laughs> Remember Baby Jordan, Harold Miner? <laughs> Didn't work out too well. He won a dunk contest, I guess. That's pretty yeah. much it. That's a guy that just like disappeared quickly, too. Anyway, um, I I don't know anything about this Jalen Lequeux Nobody kid. does. Nobody did. Unless you're plugged into high school basketball. Yeah, he, he has an interesting backstory. Um, he 
reclassified himself from the 2018 draft class, or I guess not draft class, high school class, to the 2019 high school class because he was looking to improve his recruiting. Uh, he also changed schools. And then there was some questions as to whether he would reclassify back down to 2018, uh, but decided to do a fifth year of high school at, at I think it's Brewster Academy, which is a well-known basketball you know, uh, uh, powerhouse. And had signed with NC State, but since he technically still satisfied the high school graduation requirements in 2018, even though he didn't technically graduate, he didn't get a diploma, uh, he was still eligible for the 2019 draft, and that's why he put his name in the hat. Obviously went undrafted, ended up signing Found a four-year a deal with the Suns. Yeah, I don't know if it's really a loophole. I mean, it's it's something that exists that can yeah. be can be used it's really kind of akin to what some players are doing these days with graduating and going and playing overseas except he just instead of graduating and going overseas he chose not to graduate and stay and try to you know develop his game at the high school level a little more and leave open the possibility of going to college can't you graduate and go to the d-league now um, I believe because I, I feel like I what, what wasn't like the Warriors like draft pick actually a guy they'd signed to like the Santa Cruz Warriors I last don't. year and then they like officially drafted him this year. I don't know. I think that's right. I don't know. I don't H- half quarter researched facts there. Per hey quarter. That's even less than half. He's okay. probably honestly. He's probably the thing i'm most interested to watch at summer league well yeah because i think he's the only thing that we, we can watch we, we can summer watch at summer league, league. Really. well no I, ty jerome might be there no yeah. pa- players were included shit right yeah he yeah yeah well, that i'm is it me or did he, or i don't remember we've been at summer league two years in a row now this is gonna be our third year mm-hmm. i don't remember free agency starting in the middle of that weekend i feel like it happened like the rush of free agency happened before has always happened before summer league starts so there's never really been an issue with players not being able to play yeah i i, I don't remember it ever being like, an issue i'm looking at the league schedule right now from last year to see if i can get any uh that website's not helping why don't you say stuff, Paul, and I'll keep but, looking at things. So, so with that, it's like, you know, the this the NBA Summer League schedule was released the other day. And, you know, most, the, you know, the biggest crush for Summer League is always that first weekend. You know, that's when that's when we're going to be out there. That's when, um, you know, uh, fa- uh, Solar Panel Podcast is going to be out there. Quick plug, um, we are going to be hosting, again, hosting at the Still at the Mirage on Saturday night, another uh, Suns get-together like we had last year, us and um, Solar Panel. So if you're going to be in town, if you're interested, uh, come out. I think it's going to be 8 p.m., but uh, check Twitter, check fa- check uh, the Facebook event that, uh, that's posted on the Solar Panel page. That'll have the official details um, and we'll get you officially, like, so you can find the location and everything. But it was really fun last year. Got to meet a lot of Suns fans. Had a lot of fun conversations. When I had got to throw a couple back. Um, so if you're in town, please come out. We'd love to ha- hang out. But with that, back to what I was saying. They just released the schedule. We're at. We're gonna be out there Friday, leaving Sunday afternoon. 
We get one. We get one game Friday night, <laughs> July fifth. None of the Suns draft picks are eligible to play in said game because they can't officially be considered part of the Suns until July sixth because of this. When the trades can when the official. trades can officially be finalized because active players were included in the in both of those trades. Yeah, and I, I'm with you. I don't remember it being an issue before, but I think also, like we kind of talked about before, the Suns the last two years that we were at Summer League obviously didn't have any players that were drafted that were included in trades that involved active players. Right. Well, I mean, it wasn't just the Suns, though. I don't remember here. I feel like they're... I just don't remember they're hearing about that with any other teams or, play, or players because I know, I mean, players are traded on draft day. It happens. Right. So I just don't remember that being an issue. I think maybe it's just an issue, more so of an issue this year, because for some reason it was really magnified in the way that like teams, particularly the Suns, like are refusing to talk about the players that they traded mm-hmm. for until it's officially complete. Like it di- didn't happen mm-hmm. because it, I guess, technically hasn't happened. So it made the whole draft process with. As much activity as there was, it made the entire draft process really complicated. Well, and here, so here's here's the and thing. Confusing. Check this out. Last year's summer league mm-hmm. in Vegas started July sixth. Okay. Uh huh. Last year, free agents were officially allowed to sign with teams uh-huh. on July sixth. So, so any trades that would have involved active players could have made made official midnight on July sixth before any of the summer league games would have started. So that's not how it's working this year based on the time frame. And, and of, I think the prior year was might have been July 7th. All right. Well, I'm, I'm saying that's when summer league started. I think July 6th is always when free agency starts. And I think, you know, just because how calendar shift. Right, right. I think it right. the 7th. So it might before. just be a, a, it's a... something every three or four years it happens. Exactly. And it's just stupid and annoying. And here we are. Here we are. Okay, so so okay, we talked summer league there. You gave you a yeah. little plug. <laughs> like we said, we don't really. There's not a whole lot of intel on Lequeux. I mean, he was he was a highly regarded prospect. He was top forty by all the major recruiting uh, uh, websites, uh, right. databases, what have you. Uh, four star recruit, five star recruit. So there's some talent there. It'll be interesting to see what. That translates into uh, as he makes that leap from high school into the NBA, right? Um, but but time will tell. But let's let's now we've taken everything in a vacuum. Yeah. What are your thoughts overall on where the Suns stand as we sit here right now compared to where they stood, say Wednesday night before the draft? I think they have moved the team in a positive direction. And. Am I 100% everything they did was, like, knocked it out of the park? No. But I think the team was improved, and we will, I think, we'll like the players that came in. I, I'm hopeful that with any player you draft, you're always hopeful that they reach their full potential. If these guys reach their full potential, it'll be great because, you know, we need that. Let me ask the question this way. Yeah. So do you believe that Suns Nation needs to relax? Yes. Thank you. We just agreed on We just did an entire pod 
an entire pod where we agree on like on stuff. <laughs> we agree. This never happened. This is awesome. Three years, three seasons. Oh never my happened. God. I feel I, I I don't think I've ever been more positive about the direction of the Suns than I am right now because you're agreeing with me, even though it's just on a very low level of Suns fans need to relax, but you're agreeing with me. That's a that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I I, th- I think we're still we're taking the past, we're still taking too much of the past and applying that to now. Mm-hmm. We have in a com- completely different front office. We're, we're, we're assuming the same incompetence mm-hmm. of McDonough and prior coaching staffs and whatnot is still present in the current office. And I think some of the moves were a little bit head scratching so i can see why they wouldn't those moves wouldn't alleviate those concerns but at the same time i think we need to give them a clean slate and trust the process trust the process i mean they haven't earned our trust yet but they also haven't lost our trust yet and and I think one thing that needs to be taken into account as well, that perhaps people are taking into account, but they're not being vocal about it. I think the more likely scenario is people are just not taking into account because they're doing what you just said. <coughs> Excuse me. And that is that this front office now isn't just made up of James Jones, who doesn't have experience. You have Jeff Jack Bauer sitting next to him, presumably being involved in these moves in these decisions i think you probably have monty williams of course also having some say in this those are two guys that have credibility in the nba have experience in the nba and i I think ultimately (laughs) while people can classify some of the moves as quote-unquote head scratching it shows that there's direction there they obviously had a plan they obviously executed that plan they got players through the draft that have experience and right, we're can, not banking on potential anymore. And can come in, and and maybe maybe it it is at a at the risk of not having you know that big leap that a player can take. But we have enough guys on the team right now who either were that's what who have made is. big yeah that's a very very good point who have made leaps or who are hoping to make leaps like Aiton and getting more of a or known bridges. quantity or bridges. Getting more of a known, and even even Bridges is Bridges kind of a known quantity. Bridges is a known quantity. It. You just need to. It needs to be fully realized. Right, right, right. So, you know, again, direction I think is there, and I think Suns fans need to relax. 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 Last thing. Last okay. thing. D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Talk to him around a little bit. What's the deal? The Suns want him. The Suns not want him. The Suns going to get him. The, the Suns have a chance to get him. If not him, who's it going to be? Who's the point guard going to be? Because I think you said it earlier, and I agree with you in this regard too, that if these eight shoes that have dropped, the Spiders' shoes have dropped, there's seven subs. The seven shoes have dropped so far. Oh, One more has dropped. You know what we didn't talk about, which does mm. kind of affect this, mm. is Tyler Johnson did officially pick mm-hmm. up his option. Mm-hmm. I, I was getting a little confused by that, like why he was sitting on it for so long. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was wondering if maybe there was some type of, oh, hey, we, wink, wink. Right. We're going to, you know, 
decline the option, we'll sign you to a reasonable deal, which will open up this cap space for us to get, you know, X, X, Y, or Z bigger money guy. But that clearly didn't happen. So it'll be interesting to see what goes on there because that does not help the Suns' cap situation. Right. Now, and, and, and okay, speaking of the cap situation, because it does play into that. Do you know where we're at cap-wise now after all these moves? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of well, confused. Well, I don't know exactly where we're... I think, well, I think as of right now with the with the holds of Ubre and... Um, uh, Are you concerned that they're going to let Ubre go? No, I'm not. But I, I think the Suns, as as I sit there right now, are looking at like twelve twelve and a half million if they renounce the other guys, and and we still have the Ubre hold yeah. on there. Now, one thing that I did was I did run through Sham Sports and their calculator. If the Suns were to renounce all the other, you know, Peters, Daniels, Bender, Crawford, Holmes, and if they were to waive and stretch Tyler Johnson, yeah. again, pure speculation there, uh, and. Resigned Ubre and, and I, I, I'm no cap expert, so I'm not sure if this would work. But it works in the calculator. Resigned Ubre using bird rights. Mm-hmm. The Suns could free up in the range of twenty million dollars or so in cap space. So they have to wave and stretch Johnson, Tyler Johnson, mm-hmm. and they have to move Jackson. If they want to be able to get a guy. Right, and that's the one guy that when I say 20 million Jackson's salary is still there. Right. So. I mean, I still really like Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if there is, if we could somehow pry him away from the Nets, but he's not the guy that's going to go. <laughs> it's because like if Kyrie does sign with the Nets, Russell's the guy who's going. Right. Like, there's no reason to tie up that much money into a two-point guard backcourt. Two-point guards who don't defend backcourt. Two-point guards who don't like to share backcourt. Mm-hmm. Et cetera. So he would be on the open market. It would be interesting to see. And then the question would then be, what would he be willing to take? What is his market on the, out there? I mean, you may have... You know, if the Lakers can't open up more space, they can offer him. Oh, speaking of the Lakers, did you hear that they screwed up the damn Anthony Davis trade? Did you hear how they also screwed it up? In terms of how they didn't understand the cap ramifications until after the trade was done or whatever the case was. With regards to how many players they had left on their roster. Oh, no, I didn't hear that. Yeah, because they only have like six players left on their roster. And you have to have a minimum number like a minimum number of salary slots or okay. whatever. So they were assigned minimum salary slots for like three or four players that takes out another like two or $3 million oh. of their, ca- of their available cap space. I didn't hear that, but I like it. Yeah. They, they I mean, screwed that it. thing of six ways from Sunday. Good job, Lakers. Proud yeah. of you guys. Good Proud job. Proud of you guys. Well, you know what? I would like to get more into the, the, the D'Angelo, Gambo saying the Suns don't want him. Everybody else saying they saying do. they do want him. But we've we've run a little long here as it is already. So we'll, let's save that for next time. Yep. Um, we'll hopefully see people here in the next couple of weeks out there at summer league. Yep. Uh, two of those people we will not see though, of course, are Ty Jerome and Cam Johnson. We will see them eventually in summer league. We, we may see them walking personally. around. Possibly, maybe they'll come to the Suns. You know, meet up. Maybe we'll maybe. have an interview. 
Maybe we'll have an interview. We'll <laughs> Probably see. Probably not. We're, we're going to keep chugging down that down that. Yeah, uh, it's not like he's got to practice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> doesn't. He doesn't. So, uh, as we always say here, well, before I get into that, let me remind everybody that you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at so says J Paul. At Dervish of World. The pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. Meetup is on Saturday in Vegas, Saturday, July 6th. At the Still, which is within inside the Mirage. There you go. So hopefully... I we'll think 8-ish. 8-ish. Beautiful. Hopefully we'll see a lot of you all there. As we always say here on Fan the Flames, we appreciate you guys listening. And depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Let's go Mercury! Just one.